If you have a handout or if you have your Bibles, this is the right time to read with me one key scripture in our in our study tonight. And the next several weeks we're talking about wisdom. This is the wisdom series. So we're going to investigate wisdom. Here is Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7. We'll, we'll revisit this verse again. Wisdom, are you re- reading with me now? Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Now let's read it out loud together. Are you ready? Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. There is a case to be made concerning this most profound aspect of life, wisdom. In many respects, it has been left undone and perhaps not explored. In the course of knowing, which is the gaining of of maybe a thought, there lies the deficit of wisdom. So that means that people are learning something, but they're not getting wisdom. Facts, data, information are not the same as wisdom. Various kinds of fields of study, degreed people, people that learn how to take an exam. Um, maybe they pass that exam and then go on to further study. This also does not constitute wisdom. I'll just give you a little bit of, of uh, working definitions here tonight. These are, I won't do an expansive definition, but knowledge is often surface and wisdom is discernment. That does not mean that we should not know things, that we should have information, but knowledge and wisdom are living in two different arenas. Knowledge is a confined area, while wisdom is the broad judgment or the breadth of the matter. So in this respect, knowledge is encapsulated within a frame, but wisdom sees the big picture. So if by chance you know something about someone, for instance, that means that you have some bit of data, but it does not mean that you understand them. You don't comprehend them. You don't perceive them. Um, you, you don't know, know the reason why. You just know something that's a hard fact. Wisdom is far beyond that. Uh, In our modern time, and this is on your handout, wisdom has been replaced by emotions. It's been replaced by experiences or statistics, news, other documents or documentation. Now, it's not truly been replaced. It's just been supplanted, taken out. People do not pursue wisdom. They pursue some thought or an emotion or perhaps an experience, and then from their limited experience, which is all always limited, then they supplant that for wisdom. But nothing can take the place of wisdom. I'll offer you a couple of scriptures here, and this comes from Solomon's request of God in Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7. I'll read this. If you have your Bible, this is a good place to start. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7, Solomon is about to commence his role as the king. And in that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. This is a, this is a wonderful offer from the Lord. And so Solomon has the ability to ask anything of God that he could possibly desire. It's almost like a, uh, a genie in a bottle. What's your wish? Tell me what you'd like to have. Um, there, there have been times when, when my own mother has come to, to the house and said to the kids, what would you like for me to cook for you? Anything is on the menu or everything's on the menu. Tell me what you like. This is a, a wonderful request and it's a rarity from God. 
And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast shown great mercy unto David, my father. You've made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord, let thy promise unto, my, unto David, my father, be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and understanding. This was his request, that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? So many. Who can handle this? And so Solomon's request was wisdom. It's the principal thing. It's what he was seeking God for. And he did it for the betterment of the people so that he could lead people. But his, re- his request did not come or it was not born, B-O-R-N-E. It was not born from his own innate thought or natural thought. We know this because we read Proverbs chapter 4. Are you ready for Proverbs 4? This is David's instruction to Solomon. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. That's instruction. Forsake ye not my law. Now we're, now we're reading from what David told Solomon. For I was my father's son, tender, beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also, speaking of David, said to me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Here is what David's instruction was to Solomon. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forget it. Don't, rem- don't forget the words of, of my mouth or what I'm telling you. Forsake her not. Now, wisdom. Don't forsake her. She will preserve you. Love her. Keep her. She'll keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all thy Getting good understanding. Exalt her. Lift her up. She'll promote you. She will bring honor to you when you embrace her. So this was the instruction of David to Solomon. Solomon did not enter that conversation with God on his own with nothing uh, nothing in the bank. He withdrew from the words of his father. Get wisdom. Ask for it. Embrace her. And and exalt her, and she'll promote you. So the, this is the construct where Solomon became the wisest man that ever lived. But it did not end there. In fact, when you scroll through the scripture, you'll find the book of James. James is the half-brother of Jesus Christ, though he will not call that to attention and James says, here's the Bible, Bible's offer. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and he abradeth not. He won't withhold it from you, and it shall be given him. If you lack wisdom, ask God. He gives it out freely. So here is David. He has, he has developed this. God has given it to him. He's given the instruction to his son. His son is given the opportunity to ask anything that he wants. He asks exactly what his father has has put inside of him. And God gave him wisdom. And because he asked for the right thing, think of this, for the right thing, he got everything else. The one thing, the right thing. Many people ask for things, but they don't ask for the right thing. There are some people who just, their whole church is designed to raise money. But if you catch the fish, you get whatever is in the fish's mouth. So the design of the church is not to raise money, it's to, it's to find people. And if you find people, you don't know what's going, what they're going to have. And they, they could have that. Maybe there's a talent or maybe they could have, maybe there's some other kind of burden or a prayer ministry or, or a gifting. And so it adds to the church. The reaching the people is the primary. Everything else is the secondary. When Jesus went to Samaria, he didn't go to the city to reach the people. He sat at a well. Because there was a primary person sitting at the well. When he reached her, he reached the city. The woman at the well went back to everybody and brought them. This is the primary. So wisdom is the primary. And God said, because you didn't ask for money or victory or influence, I'll give you everything that you didn't ask for. We need to make that, that information rooted and, and grounded in our heart. 
always seek for the primary. And if you don't know what it is, ask God to reveal it to you. What is it that I need to pray for? So that you're not asking God amiss or you're praying for things that don't matter. Some things we don't have to pray over. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're superficial. We have to ask God to help us how to seek for the right thing. So within this evening, we're talking about small things. In fact, there are four small things that I'll read. And from those four things, the small things, come wisdom. Wisdom is critical. The wisdom of the ants, the the conies, the locust, and the spider. And Proverbs 30, 24. There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them, by bands. Finally, the spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. So we're investigating wisdom and we begin in the small things. Four small things that exemplify great wisdom. The wisdom of the ants. I'll give you a key word and then we'll build from that. The wisdom of the ants is profound, um, but it can go unnoticed. The key word here is preparation. The wisdom of the ants is found in their preparation. In the good moment, they are building and saving. When they have plenty, they are storing. They don't uh, exhaust all that they have uh, the moment that they have it. And their strength is spent while the strength is available. Uh, In likeness, a barn is built and then it's filled. Or something is set aside for another day. There is a consideration of the ant that winter is coming. The Bible implies that winter will come. In fact, the scripture that I read to you is that is that there are people not strong. They prepare their meat in the summer. Meat in the summer. Which implies that there is an opposing season that is coming. This is the construct of the ant. This wisdom to prepare for another time. Many people neglect the moment that they're in and they do not consider another time. There is another time coming and you have to prepare for that time. Now the opposite is to live for the moment. No forethought, no perception that anything will ever change. Nothing saved and nothing kept. And when you, when you save nothing or when you, when, you, uh, when you keep nothing back, but you exhaust what you have, there will come a day when you will have, uh, when you'll have an issue because in your strength, you gave nothing uh, for the day. When you have strength, you should give what you have in the strength. So, The opposite of this is a lustful life. It's the immediate life. Uh, I would even say some words should be withheld for a later time. You don't always, you should not always say or, or repeat everything that you know. It's okay to reserve some things for another time. Some things should be held for another time. Even Mary, when she was uh, visited by the angel. The Bible says that she pondered those things in her heart. Not everyone can understand everything that God has spoken to you. Mary did not go around telling everybody what the angel told her or what was happening in her own body. That would be revealed in time. But at that moment, there were some things that the angel spoke to her that she did not tell people. Not all spiritual matters that you hear, feel, see, visions, dreams, words need to be repeated. Some things ought to be held back, stored up for another time. You'll need those in days to come. I'll offer you a few aspects of this wisdom from the ants. Uh, 
here is, here is one of the aspects. They are convinced that a time of need will come. This is very interesting to me because there are people who do not believe that a time of need will ever come in their life. The, the difference between the magicians and Joseph, not only was it that they, that they could not understand the dream of Pharaoh, seven fat calves and seven gaunt calves or seven healthy cows and, or seven cows of famine. Not only did they not understand the dream, but it was apparent to Pharaoh that after the interpretation, there'd be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. It was apparent to Pharaoh that no one could justly execute the days of plenty except Joseph. Here is, uh, here is the quandary. Few people can ex- execute massive days of plenty because when we get plenty, we spend plenty. When we gain, we, we give or are we, are we, are we expose the gain? We boast of it. Uh, we use it up. But the ants have wisdom because they are convinced that a time of need is going to come. They know that if there is a season, are you ready? If there is a season of harvest, there may be a season of, of, of winter. Amen. Here's another aspect. I, I just use one word. The word is consumption. You must not consume all the time that you have on temporary things. There has to be time spent for, for God, for you and God. God thoughts, God communication. There, there should be a day that you spend not eating. There should be a day of fasting because it's a discipline of your body. Don't think you can, you can, uh, you can pull an all-nighter and become spiritual the next morning. This is what happens with people. There's a great need and all of a sudden, well, what are we going to do? Let's fast. Well, it's 10 o'clock at night. Okay, we're going to fast all night. <laughs> I'm going to forego my midnight snack. No pickles. Uh, okay, what are we going to do? Well, well, let's get call everybody. Let's rush. Let's have a prayer meeting. Well, what are you going to say? I don't know. We've never really prayed before. And the, the problem is that, that, that we've consumed all of our time with trivial things or things that are not necessarily trivial to us at the moment, but they are temporal things. And so we have no, we have no muscles. We, we have no spiritual muscles. We have no muscle memory. We don't, we don't know how to talk to God because we've consumed our time with things that, that have will not last and have not brought us gain in the spirit world. Or, or how about this one? To consume everything with what we desire, we've not exercised our hand to serve. There are many people that are growing up today, and I, and I don't want to just call out millennial or X or Y or Z generations, but they, many of them have never learned how to serve. They, they don't know how to serve. They've never exercised that. They've con- they've been they've been consuming, or they're they are consumers of of getting of what, and then finally number three, another aspect, and I, and surely I've not exhausted all of these things, but there's this subject of work. <laughs> oh man, nobody wants to talk about work. Work ethic, work ethic, Eth- work ethic is arriving before it begins. And not leaving until it's over. Within the construct of work or work ethic means means on time and then finishing. Big word in work ethic means to finish. Work ethic means to do it properly, abundantly, with joy, with all your heart. To work or work ethic. These aspects of the ants, the wisdom from the ants is incredible. They prepare because they are convinced something's going to happen. They they, they prepare. They do not eat everything that they find at the, at the moment. They bring it back. They prepare. This is Solomon's uh, view. There is great wisdom in one of these small things. They are working. They're always working. Why? Because 
They are in a season and they have recognition of the season. But there is a rejection of the ant and the wisdom of the ant. And many people will reject the wisdom that they offer. And they come from attitudes or dispositions. I'll offer you just three. The first one entails entitlement. I deserve it. I deserve. When you get to that point where you des- you think you deserve something, you're in big trouble and you have rejected the wisdom of the end. You do not deserve, this is a hard statement. I'm sorry, this is a hard saying. You don't deserve, ladies and gentlemen, to be happy. That is a lie from a consumer mentality. You don't deserve that. And the crowd went crazy. We've been told that we deserve to be happy. We deserve a new car. We deserve something. We deserve... That idea is void of servanthood. It's void of it. And we have... We now are watching the the evolution of what happens when a generation grows up, multiple generations, thinking that they are entitled to everything that everyone else has, even though they have not worked for it. Why should I suffer? I'm a human being. This is what is called a living wage. You should be given money because you are alive. And this is what's been propagated. And if you don't have it, you should be able to take from someone else's uh, a meat and, and their life and take it just because you are entitled. The entitled mentality is not just about finances. It's not about socialism. It is resident in the church. I should have the same joy or the same gifting that everyone else has. Why don't I have it? That entitlement has come and, and, and buried itself deep inside of the house of God. I'm entitled to something in the house. I come here. A, a, a gentleman spoke to me about an issue that happened uh, in, in the school that they, that they operate. And uh, the daughter of a, of a very good family uh, on, a, on a weekend did some unsavory things. And she came back on a Monday to tell all of the Christian school uh, students what she had done. And when it came to light, the pastor and his wife and the principal, they all gathered and um, said, we're, we're so sorry, but we're going to have to remove your daughter from the school. And the man and his wife, both very educated, good jobs. Um, uh, the, the, the pastor had said, we can service your daughter at the church, at the youth uh, functions and, and, and all the ministries, but we cannot service her now. We cannot, we cannot keep her in the school. And the reply was to the pastor from this very intellectual and, and, and well-off couple was, we do, you do know, pastor, we pay our tithes. Okay, first of all, the statement itself is, is, is incorrect. It's incorrect. The thought is incorrect. You don't, you don't ever pay your tithes. No, no one ever paid. This is not a bill. This is an obligation of returning what did not belong to you in the first place. How are we doing now? Start talking about money. Everybody kind of freezes up a little bit. Well, don't talk about my money. It's not your money. That's God's money. It's the Lord's money. I return it to the Lord. It's, I'm recognizing that it was his to begin with, and I'm blessing everything else that I keep. Right? This is, this is the Bible. But the second problem is that there is an entitlement that something ought to be bypassed or overlooked because of tenure or because of payment. Excuse me. Hold on a second. You're not entitled to bypass right living because of your tenure. You're not entitled. Oh man. You're not entitled to be healed of every sickness that comes your way. Now, now salvation has been purchased for you. And the blood and the stripes are for your healing. But I would just say to you that even if you are raised from the dead, somebody ought to tell Lazarus, keep your grave clothes, Lazarus. Keep them. You're going to put them on again. Lord, now, 
Shouldn't I have? Maybe, maybe not. His view is for you to be saved, not for you to be wealthy or healthy. <laughs> well, this just really is, this is a bad one. Come back next week. I'll, I'll give you something that you agree with. I know a lot of people that are very ill and very sick and they're on their way to heaven. And I know a lot of people that are healthy and they're on their way to hell. So I'm not going to judge my eternal soul by the condition of my human frame. Number two, the reason why it's rejected is because there's procrastination. I have time. I can do it. I, listen, there's a lot of time. There's, there's a lot of time. And so we reject the wisdom of the ants because we're going to procrastinate. We're going to put things off. We're not going to do what we can do. Jesus said, I must work the works of him while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. This is the moment you can work. I would just, I'm just, I'm, I'm urging all the people that can hear me both here and, and online and, and later. This is the moment we have to witness and to reach people. We, we don't have any real barriers. We don't have, not yet, we don't have any language laws that would imprison us. Not yet. And so we have a little bit of day. We ought to be doing something while it is day and not procrastinate. Amen. And finally, the rejection comes from just, oh man, it's laziness. It's, I want to enjoy my life. I, I don't, I'm not willing to work or serve or store. This spirit, I, I, I'm going to, I'll preface the statement by just saying, I'm sorry if it's a little raw, but I think there are some people who are too, lo- too lazy to go to heaven. They're just too lazy. Sorry, just too lazy to be saved. I, I don't know how else to put it. Do, do you want to come to prayer? You know, I'd like to. Just, man, it just, you know, just getting dressed. It just take, takes a lot out of me. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Do you go to work? Yeah, but you know, I, I got to pay bills. What, what about church? Well, you know, we just sometimes we just like to sleep in and too lazy. I can't help people that are too lazy to go to heaven. Some people have no intention of going. Is this? I know I'm out there tonight. <laughs> Let's go to number two and maybe we'll recover some joy here. The wisdom of the conies. The conies are interesting. Um, the conies, the uh, they, they, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of descriptions of them, but they, they would be more like um, a, a rabbit, I suppose, and, and, and um, maybe some similar to a badger, but mostly a rabbit. They, their underbellies are tender. Um, and, and they... The conies of, of this era, uh, they, they have a lot of predators around them. And, and the wisdom of the conies, the key word is limitations, or they know their limitations. They're a feeble folk. They make their houses in the rocks. It, this is a recognition of their limitation. Uh, the coney, he does have abilities, but, but he knows things. He's, he, he's aware of, of the dangers. He recognizes his weakness. And so because of that, he is specific in his placement of where he lives. And he understands what he can handle and, and what he cannot handle. So the rocks, it's the place of protection. He does not expose himself to just every other animal or to elements of danger. He relies upon the strength of immovable, immovable things. Um, and and in, in relation to that, you know, I, I look at the vulnerable areas of my life and I have to have, a, a, I have to come to a rec- recognition. And the first aspect of, of this wisdom is honesty and, of course, self-perception. They, they're going to go together. And you have to be honest with yourself because not everybody has the same temptation or the same, uh, the same tendencies to stumble. And what what you can handle, another person may not be able to handle. What, what you may not be able to handle, someone else might be able to handle. And so you've got to be very honest with yourself if you're going to make it because you have to have the wisdom to, to know what your limitations are. 
Um, there are things that, uh, uh, that, that you cannot say, places where you cannot go. There's even feelings that, that you must not entertain. There might even be people that you can't really be close to because they will corrupt your thinking. Or what you expose yourself to or where those limits are. You, you need to do an investigation of what your limits are and, and where you should live and what you should speak and, and who you should listen to. Uh, some people have no guard around them. They have no boundary around them. And, and because of that, um, uh, they, they'll struggle in their lives. So, so number two would be boundaries. There has to be boundaries. What's the boundary in my life? You need to ask that question. What are the boundaries? Where are the places that I won't go? Or what are the things that I won't say? Or who are the people that I know I cannot, uh, I cannot be in, in, in communion with or covenant with or, or even a friend that I like that friend. I, I'm drawn to them, but they're, have you ever heard someone say, but they're bad for me? They, they bring out the worst in me. And so you have to be very, very careful. The wisdom of, 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 of this, of this species basically says, I know my limitations. I know what I should and should not say where I should and should not go. You know, there's some things you can even look at that are not evil of themselves, but they cause uh, an envy in you or or desire a false concept where, man, I desire that. I want that. And so, so because of that, it leads you away from the kingdom. And then finally, another, the last aspect that I present is location. It's the location of truth, location of it, because because sometimes you are the person that that you hang around and sometimes you are where you are this is this is critical for us i i would say this to everyone now who is in the restaurant business serving people um i i just think that a child of god shouldn't be serving things that you would not consume um what, what are the boundaries? What, what's the location of truth? Where is that? Um, and, and so the wisdom of the Coney would say, listen, I protect myself within truth. This is an absolute. What are the absolutes? And if you find the absolutes, that's where you hide. Because none of us are greater than the truth. We buy the truth. We don't get rid of the truth. But we're never greater than truth. Truth is not something we are born with. We're not born with it. We're, we're, not, we're not born saved. We're, we're born lost. We're born in sin. We have, to, we have to adopt it. We have to accept it. We have to buy it. We have to put on truth. We, there, there's things about it that, that we have to conform to. And so the wisdom of the conies said, listen, in my flesh, I have a limitation and I've got to know what my boundaries are in my limitation." Even in the limitation of time, where your time is being spent. You can, you can exhaust yourself. That's why I've often said Sunday should not be the last day of a long weekend. It should be the first day of the, of the week. I'd love to come, but I, I've exhausted myself on Friday and Saturday. I'd love to, I'd love to go to worship, but I, I just don't have any strength. i got to rest. What are you resting from? You're resting from a borderless lifestyle. A life without limitations. Time spent. When your body is going to shut down and you don't have the energy. Amen. I'll just amen myself up here because I know I'm right. And I don't know. I don't know. You may not know it, but I know it. I'm right. So I'm going to tell you this is right. Amen, pastor. Amen. Thank you for saying that. I'm going to teach myself here tonight. You should have just stayed home and watched me. You could have had cappuccino and popcorn. Okay. <laughs> Forgive my irreverence here, but it just comes natural. <laughs> Here's why the wisdom of the conies is rejected because of flagrancy. There is no danger. I'm okay. There's no danger. There's no, there's no harm. No harm. Yes, there is harm. Flagrancy has caused a lot of train wrecks, a lot of issues, a lot of problems. Flagrant living. And not just that, but pride. Let her be pride. It's, it's an arrogance. I can handle it by myself. I don't need anybody. I don't need a voice over me. I don't need a refuge. I don't need a church. Really at the root is pride. I'm against organized religion. You know what the root of that is? Pride. I'm against, what does that mean? Organ- you would, would you rather have disorganized religion? 
yeah, I'm against organized religion. I don't think everybody, well, what are you talking about? You mean you don't want anyone speaking over your life. You don't want to be disciplined. And so what you're doing is you're going you're gonna to create a borderless, boundary, boundaryless lifestyle. And where, and where is the root of that? Go right down to the root. The root of that is pride. I am sufficient of myself. Pride. And then finally, the wisdom of the conies. The reason why it's rejected is because of jealousy. Oh, when the Lord spoke this into my spirit, and I considered the, the, the destructive root of jealousy, how it has destroyed so many people. Jealousy has caused mountains of debt. Jealousy has caused people to change their appearance. Jealousy has caused people to, to envy and covet and be angry with people they don't even know. And the, and the person on the other side doesn't even know what's happening. Jealousy. Jealousy has caused mothers to compare their sons and daughters to someone else. And they'd be angry that their kids are not what other kids are. Oh, it's horrible. You can get eaten up with jealousy and can destroy your life. Live in a facade. Why? Because you're jealous. Because you didn't have a boundary and you didn't know your limitations and you couldn't function within your limitations. There is a difference, ladies and gentlemen, between being content and being satisfied. I'm never satisfied, but I have to learn how to be content. Contentment is the absence of jealousy and strife. Not being satisfied is the pressing forward, always pushing, as long as I'm seeking the kingdom of God first. Amen. It's the motive behind what I'm doing. And when, 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 when the wisdom of the coney is rejected, you're exposed. There's danger. There's a predator. There's always something after you, after your time, your mind, your energy, your money, your abilities. There's always something that wants to consume you, wound you, or corrupt you. That's in all of our lives. I stand as a witness of this very thing that I teach. And then finally, I'm, well, not finally, the third, the third small thing that gives us an insight into wisdom is the wisdom of the locust. And the key word is unified. I want to be, I want to be careful how I submit this to you. Not unity, unified. The locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them by bands. They, they're never in a singular position. They're never isolated. They're not alone. Here's a word for you. They're not independent. Dependency versus independence. There is something about being together. There is an aspect of being dependent on one another that is a righteous and godly trait among the people of God. And I read for you from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. It's still part of the body, even though. So the foot can say, I'm not the hand, it's still part of the body. And verse 16, if the ear would say, I'm, because I'm not the eye, I, I don't belong it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. It doesn't matter what it says. It's still part of the body. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body. Every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. So just so everyone knows, every part of the body is dependent on another part. It cannot function well. It, 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 in fact, it has a tough time functioning. If one part's missing, then there is a deficit. If, 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 if the foot or the hand... if if the parts of the body, even parts we don't consider, uh, those parts are necessary for us. And there is, a, there is a spirit of independence that says, I don't need anybody. I don't want anybody. 
And that's the rejection of this. This, uh, but but what we have to understand is that there is a unified effort, and the unified effort means all the parts of the body come together for a single cause or a purpose. Now I I present this this word uh, unified because it's more of an action word for us. It's an action. It's it's not just the spirit of unity. It's the doing part of it. And the wisdom of, this, of these locusts is that it's not one person pushing them. It's the recognition. Are you ready? It's the recognition that everyone matters, that your part matters. If you say, yeah, but I, I'm not, I don't add that much. What you're doing is you're saying to the I, you matter, but I don't. You're demeaning God's appointment for your life in the body. Don't demean the instruction, the appointment of the Lord. Well, well, you know what? I don't, I don't have all the talents that someone else has, and I don't have all this. Hold on a second. You're part of the body. Act like part of the body. Whatever that function is that you're doing, do it. If you don't know, show up. Pray. Ask God for wisdom. He'll give you wisdom to give you instruction. It's critical. It's important. Now, when, when, when we were growing up, there were times when dad's church was very, very small. And, and maybe it might have had 40 or 50 people in it. And there was a couple people that would go on vacation for the summer. And man, you know, when you have 40 people, 50 people, and two families leave for vacation, it's like everyone's gone, you know. And, and if you've ever been to a, grown up in a small church, and sometimes dad's church, maybe, maybe we were 120, but usually 50, 80. But in those summer times... And we had a few people that would go camping together, and that was fine and all that. And wintertime, sometimes not everybody would show up. Man, when that happened, it was like nobody was there. We didn't even know how to function, you know. And, and, and uh, a huge group would be gone. Well, well, when 15 people leaves a church of 30, that's 50% of the congregation is gone in, in a Sunday. And so you felt it all of a sudden, you know, kind of didn't feel right. You know, the worship wasn't right. And... But when everyone was present, it felt like we were all together. And, and it felt like things could happen. And even if it was 40 or 50 people, when everyone was together, it was functional. It was healthy. It was whole. So it wasn't really the number. It was that, it was that their presence mattered to the whole. Uh, Roman uh, is doing an internship. And his internship began the day after we were scheduled to have a little family vacation. We did not know that at the time that he got the internship. Um, but this was important for him to go on this internship and to work this. And, and, and he's building some things here, his, his, his um, resume, I suppose. And, but, but this is the first vacation that, that our family took without one of our children. So... We're going and, and we're on the trip, but there's just some, something's missing, you know, and we, no one could put their finger on it. That's not true. We, we knew what it was. It was Roman. Roman was gone. Who, what, what's, what's missing? Who's missing? <laughs> now we've done that before, you know, left kids here at the church and wondered, you know, some, someone, something's wrong. Oh, we left Nico. Let's go get him. Um, but it was, it was a family trip. We're, we're there, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden we have more room. And how, how does it that we have more space to stretch out? Oh, I know why. One of them is missing. And in that departure, part of the family, uh, because part of the family was not present, all of the family felt it. So you may not think that your presence matters, but everyone feels it. And it doesn't matter. How many people come when you're not present, it matters. Because the body was meant to function just like a human body, the church body. And so there is a dependency and the wisdom of the locust is they do things in a unified fashion. I will just say to everybody, this church, we as a body can do anything if we'll do it together. Not talking about the spirit of unity, I'm talking about the action of it. A unified effort. We marched together in bands. We know what to do. There was a time when the temple was being remodeled. And no one had to give an account. Because everyone, everyone 
was faithful in what they were doing. Read in your scripture. They didn't have to give a receipt. They didn't have to come explain why they bought that. Why they were, why were they building all this acacia wood? No, because everyone had the spirit of integrity and they were doing something together. That is what we need to have here. There's a wisdom in that, ladies and gentlemen. There's a wisdom there. But of course, there is a rejection of it. And the rejection, this independence, is a little different from the, the first two. Because the wisdom of the locust is, doesn't follow the same construct of the other, of the ants and the conies. There's an independence and there's a source of that. And I've discovered the source, but maybe not exhausted all of the sources. But there's an arrogance in that. Um, that the arrogance of, of the independent, the independent mind... The person who is indifferent. Um, that arrogance is a, is a deep-rooted thing. I think that arrogance is developed. Arrogance is mimicked. I think children learn how to be arrogant from arrogant elders, peers, parents, and, um, and, and, and maybe family, other family. Arrogance is, is, or a haughty spirit, it is, it, it is, it, it's a, it's a deep infection that, that eventually is a wound to itself. Because there, there will come a time when you'll need someone, you'll need a word of encouragement, you'll need to help, you'll need a helping hand. But to retain that thought that I'm, I'm independent, you know, I, I like to be left alone. I'm concerned about people who always like to be left alone. Why is it? Because you, because you don't want to help someone or you don't you want to feel vulnerable or whatever that is. But that's not the wisdom of the locusts. And the other source of this is a survivalist. These are people who've been wounded in life, maybe abandoned, uh, gone through tragedy, and they've had to learn how to survive. They survive. This is a danger thing. Now, now, if you've had to survive some, some trauma in your life, let me just tell you, there are some good parts of that. You, you, you can be forthright, strong. You develop courage and a backbone. But the downside of that is you can say, I don't need anybody. I, I, can, I can do this by myself. I'm independent. Listen, I, I've, gone, I've been through bad times. I can go through bad times all by myself. So there's some good and bad. But from that survivalist or the person who can survive through suffering, pain, rejection, they can also be independent to a point where they're not connected to the body. And finally, there's a rejection just out of plain ignorance. I'm not talking about stupidity. I'm talking about the unknowing. Some people are ignorant of it. They're ignorant of the, of the fact that, that they need people and that people need them. There's an ignorance or an unknowing, and it rejects the wisdom of the locusts. Well, why would I go with everybody? Why would I do that? Well, that doesn't pertain to me. Hold on a second. The, the, the wealth of the body, the strength of the body, well, that's not for my age group. I know they invited everybody, but, you know, I really don't want to go. And hold on a second. If you're invited, go. If it's a children's service, come. If it's a, if it's a youth service and we're invited, Come. Children of Promise has happened this year. It was a wonderful service. And I wish that everybody would have come. But a few people always say, well, that's just for the kids. No, it's for you. And it's for them. And to be removed means that you have lost the wisdom of the locusts. And finally, this should have said four, I think. I I don't know. I think I've got my numbers wrong. But you can write four. It's the wisdom of the spider. I'll end on the wisdom of the spider. The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. Hmm. And the key word is here is perseverance. Perseverance. Where is the wisdom in her? The king, the palace, the palace, the, the glamour. Consider for a moment Solomon with thousands of people at his disposal, thousands of servants. They are Servants that conduct their duties in the royal rooms. There are literally walls overlaid with gold. The care of cups, of utensils, plates. 
the sweeping and polishing of marble and floors. Garments are always in order. Food and trays of all types of floral designs. Solomon is living in the ultimate luxury. There is no want in his house. There are no unfulfilled desires in that mansion, the palace. There is bread and fruit and meat in abundance. There are pleasures of conversation and inquiries. There are debates. There's learning. There are conquering armies at his disposal. There are negotiations he will get involved in. There's a fleet of vessels. There is silk from beyond. There are tools for writing. And then the entertainment of music and singing and dancing. And the host of world dignitaries. Kings and queens come from regions beyond. The staff and the servants, all of them organized and structured by the unique mind and ability of this incredible man of wisdom, Solomon. He was unsurpassed. The queen of Sheba once took notice of his lifestyle. And the servants, even what the servants wore and ate, and all that he had done, she said, I almost fainted at the splendor of it all. And then she added of his fame that the half had not been told. Perfection, in a word, perfection. His home took 13 years to build. He left nothing out. And Solomon is there inside the palace. And there she sits, a spider in the king's palace. I don't know how she got there with all those people doting over every square inch of the gold and the marble of the walls and the ceiling. Who knows how she made it that far, but she made it into the king's palace. She didn't just make it there. It appears when we read that she holds on with her hands, that she has spun a web. She's had a sufficient time to spin a web in the king's palace. Perhaps she has been broomed out, shuffled away, thought she was rid, but came back again and again. She ought not be there, but there is the king and he ponders the wisdom of her. And the wisdom of the spider is that she persevered to attain the place she's at. And the great aspects of it are critical and key. Here is the great aspect of it. She has accepted the inherent struggle to get where you need to be, where you want to be. The wisdom of it, there will be struggle, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing great, no position attained, no treasure, no treasure found or purchased comes without a struggle. It's inherent. It comes with the territory. If you want something from God or some place in God, you're going to have to claw your way to it. You're going to have to struggle your way to it. It never falls in your lap. Trust me when I tell you. You can find a place in the king's palace, but you're going to have to persevere. You're going to have to keep on coming back, and I have scripture for it. My daughter is grievously vexed. Lord, would you please heal her? And he ignores her, but she comes back again. She is a spider. The Syrophoenician woman is a spider trying to get into the king's palace. She is standing before the king of kings, and he turns to her and says, I don't have anything to do with you. But she asked again, and then finally he says to her, it is not proper to give the bread to the dogs. And it is offensive to her. It should be offensive. And if Jesus spoke like that to you, or a leader, or a pastor, you might get offended. And the next day, or the next hour, you'd be posting something on Instagram, or Facebook, about how rude the man of God was. But she didn't care about that. She knew, I'm going to claw my way, I'm going to hold on. Listen, there are a lot of people, you were almost there, but you got offended on the way because you were ignored a little bit, or maybe a lot you were ignored, or things didn't come your way. Let me give you some wisdom of the spider. She takes hold with her hands, and even in the midst of thousands of servants whose job is to make sure it's clean, it's pristine, it's, 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 it's made beautiful every day, even with that, the spider says, no, 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 I gotta get that place. And the Bible says that the Syrophoenician woman turned to Jesus and said, oh yes, Lord, you're right. I agree with you. I'm a dog. <laughs> Do you have enough willpower to admit or to agree 
that you don't deserve what you're asking for. Because until you get to that place, chances are that broom just swept you out of the palace and you can't hold on at all. But you got to get to a place where you finally say, I know I don't deserve it, but I'm back here again. I know. Look, Jesus didn't end there. He didn't end there. Instead, he got up and told a parable and said, there was a woman who had a son and that son was in prison and there was an unjust judge. And the Bible says he did regard God and he didn't regard man. He didn't care. No one could buy him. He had no respect for man or for God, much less for this woman who kept knocking on his door. And the Bible says that the judge answered her request because of her importunity. She just would not stop. She just kept on coming in and they swept her out. She just kept on coming back and she spun and they, they knocked it down and she kept on coming back until finally the judge said, it's not because I respect God. I don't respect you. I don't respect men. I'm just tired of seeing you show up every day at my door asking for the same thing. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to grant your request. I don't even like to do it, but I'm going to grant it because sometimes to get where you need to be, you've got to hold on for dear life and you got to keep on coming back and claw your way back. I know you get weary and I've heard that many times before. I don't know how many times I got to pray about this pastor. Well, maybe one more time, maybe a thousand more times, but when the door finally opens, you'll be rejoicing and thanking God. The problem is, the problem is you stopped too soon and you did not know there is an inherent struggle to get where you need to get. You want to be there, but you don't want to go through the process. Let me just, I don't have this on your, on your handout, but there's rejection of it and it's just, it's the opposite of what the aspect is. You don't want to go through the struggle. You don't want to go through the pain. And so you, when, you, when you're cast aside, you just give up and say, well, he called me a dog. But the Syrophoenician woman didn't say that. She said, oh, yes, Lord, that's true. But even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She said, if you give me a crumb, that'll be enough for me and my daughter. Guess what she got? She did not get the crumbs. She got the whole loaf. right here's a wisdom this is a wisdom now to pursue relentlessly pursue to try again i haven't read the book but the title stuck out with me it was called failing forward i I don't even i might even bought the book but sometimes i just buy the book for a page or out of guilt because i I'm going to use the title. So the author had a good thought. In, in, in some of the sports, like football, you can, you can get tackled. Your momentum is stopped. But, but, if you, but if you fall forward, you, your forward fall counts. You can gain even though you're stopped. Even though you're immobile, it depends on how you fall. If you fall forward, it's progress. <laughs> if you fall backwards, you're digressing. So sometimes even if you fail, just fail forward. I am a product of failing forward. Let me just tell you, I'm a product of failing, but I also got up again and tried one more time. Probably, if truth be known, I'm an overachiever because I shouldn't even have, have gone anywhere I went, but I overachieved because I, I thought that if I tried again, I could do it. <laughs> some people rely upon talent. I've seen some people that have great talent, but they, 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 they don't apply themselves. And so I would just say, well, oh, that talent or that ability is wasted because they didn't work on it. They, 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 they got discouraged too soon. You will get discouraged. You're going to get discouraged. Even Jesus said, in this life there'll be tribulation. And then he said, you, uh, then he said, offenses will come. Let me just tell everybody, you will be offended. You'll be offended. You're going to be offended. You might have already been offended. You might be offended right now. <laughs> you will be offended. Are you prepared to be offended? You will be offended. Do not let that stop you 
from moving forward again. You will be wounded. You will be hurt. The moment you're wounded and the moment you're hurt, that is the first moment you get to be like Jesus Christ. Not when you're blessed. Not when you're helped. There is inherent struggle in the wisdom of the spider. Number two, it's intentional. Intentional pursuit. I will be established. Let me just tell everybody here, I, I, I think I'm, of course, preaching to the choir. But if by chance someone's listening or you're paying attention to this, if you're going to be established in a church, in this house, it's, you're going to have to do it by intentionality. It, this will not just jump on you like a common cold. If you're going to be a stable, forever saint, settled and secure, steadfast and unmovable, always abound in the work of God, you're going to have to do it through intentionality. It's going to be an intention of your will and your spirit every day. And then you will be established. And there's nothing like being established. Amen. And all the people said amen. And finally, I offer this last one to you, this aspect of the spider, which she astounds me. It's achieving through persistency without regard to right or to rights or to my rights. She's interwoven. She wraps up the four small things of wisdom. I don't have a right to be in the king's palace. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to try to get there. I'm going to live there. I don't have the right to be there, but I'm going to be there because I'm persistent enough to get there. I've, I've said out loud, I shouldn't even, I was somewhere years ago and I said, I shouldn't even be in this room. But I smiled and said, I am. Tammy and I have said this before. Take a look. These are the people. Look, we're in this room. How'd this happen? We just smiled and said, just act like you belong. <laughs> just, just act like it's normal. Ask the people how you're doing. Act like you're a host. Glad you came. So glad you came. Fancy dinner. Glad you're here. Oh, glad you're here. Listen, if there's anything we can do for you, they don't even know. Just act like you're there. We're, we're, we're there. We're here. We're putting this thing on. Didn't you know we're putting it on? We, we got a little invitation. In fact, we weren't even really the invited guests. We just came with the invited guests. We just, just, here's, it's not about rights. It's not about whether, whether, whether you have a right to be there. It's whether or not you're persistent enough to get in the door and be established. There's the palace. If you want to get in there, stop worrying about whether or not you have a right. Just get in. Just keep doing it over and over and over again. See, the problem is we're not learning from the wisdom because it, it's small and it looks insignificant. It is never insignificant. Persistency is never in. I don't always understand, but I'm going to keep working on it until I understand. And I've, I've tried to help people that struggle with math and, and, and they're trying to go through math and, and, and they're not getting it. But I reflect back on some earlier math did you understand? Oh, yeah, I, I got that. Yeah, okay. Well, well, it's never going to change. Once you have the understanding, it's never going to change. Once you know the formula or the equation, it's never going to change. Once you memorize that, it's always going to be secure. Once you understand the scripture, it's never going to change. The word is never going to change. So you may not understand all the revelation yet, but just keep trying, keep pushing. You're going to gain some understanding. And when you get it, it's never going to change. You might say, well, I don't understand it all right now. I'd like to know it. Ask God. Once the door opens, it's never going to change. Saul is called Paul. But before that, the the words, the, the name is really the same. He is Saul of Tarsus, but he doesn't understand. He thinks that he's fighting for God. He's, he's following Yahweh until he's on the road to Damascus and a light shines from heaven and there's a voice, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This is a hard task for you. And Saul looks up to heaven and says, Yahweh, who are you? Who art thou? And a voice comes from heaven and here's the revelation. It's the moment of the revelation. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And now he's got a revelation. Once the door opened in his mind, he became established. And that's the moment when Paul began to preach, there is only one God and his name is Jesus. 
He never again used the concept of Yahweh. He now understood it's Jesus. Once you get the revelation, it might take you a little bit. Keep calling, keep praying, keep understanding. Because maturity, ladies and gentlemen, spiritual maturity comes over time. It comes over time. And please don't, please don't put this in reference to your age. It's not a reference of age, although that can be a factor. There are depths in the Lord that none of us have reached. There are mature levels of God that none of us have found yet, but we're going to keep on walking. I say this of myself. If I'd have known back then what I know today, I'd have been an awesome pastor. But at 31, I didn't have a clue. One of my big problems was my mother told me everybody loved me. And I found out the hard way that was not true. And man, was I ever surprised. And shocked. And I also found out that I had to be accountable for my own words and mistakes. And not everybody liked my jokes. Even tonight. I haven't learned that lesson yet, but I'm working on that. If I'd have known then, but I didn't know why, because I had to go through the process. But I will tell you, I could have been swept out. I could have been pushed out, but I kept clawing my way back. And many of you have done the same thing. We could have been over. We had tragedy. We have trouble. We have issues. We had complexes. But what we, what did we do? We got back up and now we're taking hold. We're going to spin that web in a place. We didn't have a right to be there, but we kept going there every day. So now I have an understanding of the scripture and I have an understanding of myself and of the Lord. And I know nothing's going to move me because I've already been through all that mess. It took all this time to get here and I'm not going to give up now. Come on, stand with me now and and let's just clap our hands unto the Lord together, everybody. Would you do that with me? We're thankful, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on now with your own lips. Just say, Lord, I, I pray for the wisdom of God. Let wisdom come to me, Lord. Let me understand the wisdom of your word, Lord. And the things that I've heard, Lord, let me understand the wisdom of it, God. Help me to grow. Come on, pray this. Help me to grow, Lord. I want to become established in you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that I can perceive you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 I appreciate you coming tonight, and I appreciate your time. And I pray for all of the families of the church and that the Lord will continue to keep us. Amen. And all the people said amen.